I am extremely excited to be bringing you the first of two live episodes that were recorded at Texas Women's University at the third annual Texas Adaptive Physical Education Conference. The first episode is on service delivery, placement options, and I did an entire episode, the entire thing, rather than breaking it down because it was live this time. We had some question answers with the audience and some crowd participation, and I was extremely excited with the the turnout. The room was full, had about 40, 50 bodies in there, and I could not have been happier with our first live uh, show. So without further ado, I wanted to get right into it, and here it is. All right, hello, hello. Good morning, good. It's nice to see everyone here on a Saturday morning. I am super, super excited about today because this is the first time I've done this live. I've always been behind a a mic doing this, and um, I want to tell you a little bit about the podcast, and um, I'm super passionate about it, and I wanted to tell you a little bit about it, and then we're going to have two panels, which I think I I briefly said earlier when people were uh, shuffling in, but we're going to have the first panel, and that's going to be on service delivery, and then we're going to transition and go to behavior management. And I'm uh, not the expert, they are, so I'll be just throwing some questions. At the end of it, at the end of each session, if you have questions, I would love to hear your voices as well and ask them some questions that hopefully we can, we can come to some conclusions on. So all of this, though, will be going live, or um, will be going on a podcast on iTunes, um, probably within the week, and that can be viewed by anyone. It's free. So the history of the podcast, I started it uh, in July 2015. I just kind of, I was a podcast enthusiast. How many people here listen to podcasts? Okay, a few people. Okay. Has anyone heard my podcast? Okay. A few people. Okay. I was was super into them. I started listening to all these random ones, and I started also learning that there was ones in different professional fields. Like there's a podcast for physical therapy. There's a podcast for... Um, medical uh, fields. There's podcasts for teachers, but there wasn't one for APE, and I just said, I'm going to try it. So uh, it's been going well. I had 17 podcasts so far, um, and we have all types of panelists. We have authors, professors, nonprofit directors, had an app maker, uh, parents, teachers, um, and so we have a whole variety of people. This is the podcast. It's my kind of my baby, so I'm super nervous about having it live right now. But um, so so please be be nice when we get to the questions and and don't say I'm doing a bad job. <laughs> well, we're just as nervous. So yep, yep. <laughs> this is my service delivery panel, and um, Brad will be coming in in a second. He was he might have already went to some of his sessions, and he's from Maryland. Um, he's the vice president for our uh, national consortium. Nick Pete is. is been being called recently. He's also a former Shape America Teacher of the Year. Uh, we have Dr. L- Linda Hilgenbrink, and she is a distinguished TWU alumni. Uh, a few years ago, beautiful video online, I saw it about all of her career accomplishments. I was very impressed. Thank you. And uh, she's also a uh, Shape APE Teacher of the Year from 2012. Um, she's also one of our Shape representatives on our APE SIG. 
So those are our special interest groups in shape. And she's an AP teacher in Denton, and she's also a member at large for NICPEED. Um, we have Angela, who uh, is an AP teacher in Capel, and she is a special, she works for the Special Olympics. What is HOD, by the way? I'm sorry. And if you could talk about, like. Sure. Um, head of delegation. So most people, I think, that are familiar with Special Olympics knows that's just the person kind of in charge in each um, delegation mm -hmm. that takes care of basically all the paperwork and keeping everything moving. So. Awesome. So we have Angela, and then we also have, last but not least, we have Vicki. And Vicki, can you see your last name? Fetter. Fetter. Vicki Fetter is an AP teacher at Brownsville, Brownsville, Dallas, and Garland. She's also a head of delegations, right? I am. Yes, for uh, Special Olympics in Garland and a Special Olympics director. And you might have to talk a little bit about the Kinetics Game Committee because I'm, okay. I'm not very familiar with that. but um, And then she's also an independent APE consultant. Can you briefly talk about that? Yeah, and let me preface. I don't work in Brownsville and in Dallas and in Garland. I did. I, uh, yeah, for, I've been doing this for about 28 years, and so I w started in Brownsville. Then I was in Dallas for 18, 19 years, and now I'm in Garland. So, And then um, the Kinetic Games is um, uh, an activity-orientated um, Paralympic um, uh, what do I want to say? It's a it's a one day um, games for our kiddos that are general education, but they have amputees, maybe muscular muscular dystrophy, spina bifida, anything that constitutes generally for them to be able to compete in Paralympics. So we have set this up. Here in um, Region 10, actually, um, Randy is the one that um, started it and brought it in. But again, it's just a, a one-time-a-day thing for our kiddos that are out there. So if you have anybody throughout the state or outside of the state, for um, them to be able to come and compete in like wheelchair um, power soccer, wheelchair basketball, tennis, track and field, um, anything like that, we would love for you to um, ask for more information on that. But we definitely like for them to come and it's free of charge once they're here everything for the families and so on so very good thank you and um, one other thing before I start diving into these questions we're gonna talk about service delivery what is that with some of our extra panelists one last thing I'm gonna say before we, we get going on that is because it's a podcast so it's gonna be recorded now and then I'm gonna edit it and put it out so if there is uh, the nice thing about that is if we do have any hiccups or anything like that I can edit that so no, no pressure. All right, are we all ready? Okay. So, my very first question for this expert panel is, um, let's just start with, can you explain that, how does, what does it mean when we say AP is a service and not a set? What, what does that mean? Sorry, you're okay. What does that mean? If I say AP, is is a serve is a um, service and not a setting. What does that actually mean? Well, go ahead. You start. Um, I think that um, when we when I talk with teachers about um, that APE is not a setting, that it is a service, is that it's allowing us to have much more flexibility in that continuum of least restrictive environment because if I'm always going into gen ed and pulling my students out of their gen ed time to provide my service, 
then I'm always impacting their least restrictive environment. So I think it gives us a great opportunity to say we come in and we provide that service in their least restrictive environment. If it's in the special ed classroom, great. If it's in the gym, in the general ed classroom, even better. So I feel like it gives us a lot more flexibility in being a better um, provider in that IEP, that integrated IEP, where we want to make sure they're in that time with their gen ed peers as much as possible. And I think that goes along with there's always that idea of APE is a class it's not a class it's a service that we provide to go along with the physical education class so again if that misnomer is out there or you hear well yeah he's in APE that's his class you know that he's getting a credit in APE no he's getting a credit in his physical education class or he's participating in his physical education class and then as Angela prefaced it's us providing more um, support for that general education teacher and or you know getting them back into the general education setting because that's our goal for them to be in there now again we can pull them out as the service delivery person and or a para can do that if they're highly trained or the teacher can do that or the PE teacher and so on. But again, that's us engaging as the service to provide that training to those other people. But again, there's that whole misnomer of that it's a class. It isn't a class. We are a service. And just to to capitalize on that as well, making sure that everyone understands it's an instructional service, not a related service, because we do follow the TEKS. We are um, related to a class, which goes on as an instruction versus a related service as an occupational therapist would be or physical therapist would be. Adapted physical education is defined in the federal law as part of our physical education uh, definition. And so it is mandated. I think that you made a nice case for that. And so uh, whenever I talk about this, I always remind them that this is, this is the one class that is defined for us legislatively and, and that the way in which we provide uh, adapted physical education is within the settings of that least restrictive environment. Is it one-on-one? Is it a combination? Is it within the general PE setting? Is it perhaps in a transitional aspect after school? Uh, you know, in which, what, what, what ways are we delivering our services? Uh, that setting is, is the piece. But the APE itself is a mandated direct service. Very good. Thank you. And in our last episode, actually, we talked a lot about direct and related services. Um, and it seems that that maybe isn't always happening in a lot of uh, places, um, depending on your background. But this is, you know, throughout the United States, a lot of people are categorized under related service, and um, not quite sure why. But I, I, you know, it's interesting when we sit in our IEP meetings, uh, and and we have our diagnosticians entering in on our uh, schedule of services page. Many times, I think some of the com- confusion about about where we exist and where we live, and where, whether we're a direct service or an indirect service, is how it's documented in our legal documents. And sometimes that's the fault of the electronic system that we're working in, and not necessarily uh, something that someone is getting confused. There might only be a place to put adapted physical education on that service page um, at, at, underneath a related service title, and so that always bothers me. And I think that's part of the confusion as well. Uh, Well, and to go along with that and being a 
one of those persons that has worked in a larger school district and you are tied down to the, the, the model or that you're working in in that IEP, there's no reason to say that if she, in her portion of it, she has to go under related services. You know, there's always the part in there for the addendum, in the notes, or whatever, for you to then preface APE, instructional service at this time, blah, blah, blah. Just so, again, in the legal realm of it, that you are fixing it because you're saying, yes, this document states it here, however, here. You know, so you can always fix that and tweak it and make sure that you put it in the notes to preface that this is truly what that is. And that's you as that provider to be in there and speak up and to say, you know, can we just go ahead and make a little note? You know, and, it's, and, you know, schools are dynamic. Uh, we have constant, constant change. That's, that's what we can count on from one school year to another is constant change. Whether it's new people coming into the system, new, new adapted physical education teachers or specialists themselves, or new general PE teachers, or just new special ed teachers. New, 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 new. Constant change is, is, always happens every year. And so it seems that uh, we have to be the trumpeters of our own horn. We have to make sure that we're relaying to our administrators to our folks who are case managers, who are diags, who are documenting our services, that we are a direct service. It's a, it's a constant thing that we have to do and redo and remind and educate. And, and sometimes it's not a comfortable position that we're put in. However, if you're not going to advocate for your own disability, not disability, but your own service, then, you know, it falls on deaf ear. And, you know, it can be a simple conversation outside of the IEP meeting and or just to, you know, educate them too. You know, sometimes you are in a school district where it's it's been that way forever. No fault of necessarily their own. That's just the way that it's been. That's the way it's grown. That's the way it's going to stay until you as that person comes in with a little bit more knowledge or knowledge of, Understanding because you've been at the conference and now you go, oh, legally I found this out. And, and you know, you're educating them. I'm not saying that it's, again, going to necessarily be a, a real enjoying, hey, I'm just going to embrace this and we're going to change it, but at least you can start moving it towards the right way. I, I'm going to, um, I want to ask everyone, just raise your hand. How many of you are uh, a relate, like, a, how many of you are a related service under your school district. How many of you are categorized under that? Okay, so about four of you, five of you? A lot okay. of us get told that kid is getting the service, so what? And I know we're getting a little off in service delivery. Um, not not really, but why why does it matter that we are direct versus related? And I, I think that when we were having the discussion, what came in my mind, too, for a lot of our... Um, our diagnosticians and other people in the on the art committee is what they get confused with is the direct and consult that when we're documenting how are we providing our direct instructional service it's through direct with the student or consult with the student or in-class support sometimes that one will come up so I think that's where um, you see also in that the systems that we have in place for our arts to be documented is that um, a lot of our parents come to the table and if you say um, I'm going to provide 60 minutes of consult service blah 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 what they hear is I don't hear direct. 
And so I think for um, a lot of parents and, and our diagnosticians, why we kind of get lumped in with that related service group is when you have larger caseloads and you're trying to do what's right for each student and sometimes you have a great paraprofessional or you have a great gen ed PE teacher that's able to come in and with your direction provide great instruction you can be a consult to them to support them and so um, I think it goes with the education process of not only are we educating our diagnosticians we're an instructional service that directly instructs our learners through either a consult or a direct or whatever and we're also um, educating those parents on how um, all of that works together and some there's a lot of research that does show that team collaboration through consult actually is more beneficial for a lot of our learners than pulling them out one-on-one doing our thing and heading out the door so I think that's another piece that we can really advocate about that our service as consult can be just as powerful or more powerful than a one-on-one or a small group direct session so I think those are things that we all kind of and I think I, I want to go back a little bit because you mentioned as us being a direct service underrelated. I, I think this that might be a little bit of confusion. So I want to make sure anyone who's listening to this or any of you that are out here, I think we need to go back actually what we want everyone to know us is to be is we are an instructional service, not a related service. Under that instructional service, we may provide direct service, consult service, or some of both. So again, I just want to make sure that everyone's understanding that when you mentioned direct service, and maybe the, your person that you know was talking about it, who, who was kind of like, well, yeah, they're providing it, they're getting it, so what? Y- yes, they. if we're giving direct serve, hey, that's like bonus caveat. However, I just want to make sure when we started talking about this, we are an instructional service as Adaptive P. We are not a related service. That's cut and dried there. Then under the service delivery model of instructional goes into the direct. So I just don't want that to be confused mm-hmm. for anyone. Mm-hmm. And maybe just to tie onto that too, with the other conversations that we've had um, yesterday as well as today, let's not forget that just recently we've been identified as one of 18 content areas that's identified as uh, a well-rounded curriculum. And so, you know, that might give some more strength to you as well as trying to help individuals understand where adaptive PE. Uh, lies within your own general ed curriculum. Yeah, no, and I, um, I think that was wonderfully said by, by everyone. Um, to me, it, it's as a profession, as APE, if we don't stand up for those things, like we always complain as a group, I hear, that we don't get heard and we don't get the respect we need. But if we don't stand up in our field as well and say that this is what we are and this is what we're not and, and, and try to um, solve some of those confusions, I think we're doing a disservice to our field and we're, we're putting confusions out there, which is going to lead to people not understanding us and not respecting us and all those things. So it was uh, sad to me that someone said, it doesn't matter and shut me down like that because it matters to me. Scott, can I follow up? Sure. So the other place I think that some of the confusion comes from is that most all school districts are using online um, 
So one of the things is that a lot of our school districts are all using uh, electronic IEP formats and very often we are in the drop down menu under related services. Mm -hmm. So just so y'all know this, um, Scott and myself and uh, two of the other graduate students here at TWU are investigating which IEP formats are being used most often um, and we are going to find out where we fit in that puzzle. Some of us might be um, in the right spot, or in some of the platforms, we might be in the right spot, but in a good number of them, we know we're in the wrong spot, we're underrelated, and we will address that um, through consortium to write a letter and ask the publishers of those pieces of software to move us to the right area, okay? Because we're not alone. It's very likely that Braille instruction and things of that nature are also listed in the wrong area. And just a heads up, um, in our system that we use, they have adaptive IVE and adapted, and um, we can't. I can't even write a, you know, run a report because it's been put in different ways. So just so you know. Yeah. So we, all I'm going to say though is uh, Dylan said that to the nation now. So copy, copyright, Scott McMurray, and Dr. Dylan, don't steal our idea. Anyways, okay. So thank you. I, I the direct related thing has been ongoing for the last few episodes and uh, it's been really interesting to me because it seems like I'm getting there's a lot of passion in it but a lot of confusion so I think it's something that we might need to kind of put in on our priority list or something as AP teachers are saying we're direct so anyway back to service delivery um, so we talked about the law a little bit and you know how, how is service delivery identified in the law for you know for me there's not anything cut and dried that you can find about service delivery for us uh, as adapted PE specialists. It's, I call it the sprinkle can effect. It's kind of sprinkled here and there, kind of briefly mentioned, and you have to then be able to interpret uh, as best as you can what it means. Uh, so as a direct response to that, that uh, and, and we, so, so in Texas, what we try to follow is we do have a Adapted Physical Education State Manual, and it's now in its second edition, and I think it's going to be moving to its third edition very soon. Uh, and this might be something across the nation that if you do not have a state manual to follow, that you probably should be thinking about creating that. Uh, you've got great resources right here that many people in this room probably contributed to. Um, but we lay out uh, the process in which we feel adaptive physical education should be delivered within our districts, uh, and it serves as a model. Every state likely does have, though, administrative rules for special education yeah. that provide a description for what the adaptive physical education specialist should do. Yes. Uh, but those are not federal. Those are, yeah. those are state level. Yeah. And, and again, I think, you know, it, it, since we really fall under the guidelines of physical education, that's what we follow because we are really following under, you know, what the law states about a physical educator or the child being able to receive physical education mandated by on and on and on. So that's really how we fall under that in those guidelines. So then let's talk, so what are some of the different types of service delivery models? And I have a follow-up right as soon as we're done with that, but what are some different types? Um, in the school district that I work in, um, there, there's a very much a continuum of whatever. We, we do have the flexibility as service providers, whether it be instructional or related, that we take it from the viewpoint of what does that learner need most. 
So in some of our um, campuses that we have special programs that have um, a higher percentage of a certain um, eligibility in their classrooms, that might look like coming in and providing the service in that special ed classroom. If a transition for a student that has um, severe autism that you're spending 20 minutes transitioning rather than ever getting to the, the provision of motor development or any of those things, my personal belief is that I want to spend that quality time wherever I need to be. So for those situations, um, that's kind of the setting, but I'm working with the paraprofessional. I'm working with the special ed teacher on what kind of prereq skills does this individual need to have so that they can better access PE. And they're going into PE on a daily basis, but they're not being able to participate at the level of their peers because they have sensory needs, they have transition needs, they have behaviors they have all these things they haven't even gotten to the level of motor imitation yet because we're trying to get compliance with some behaviors and that type of thing so to the the biggest bang for my buck for that type of learner is to go into the special ed classroom work as a collaborative team and be part of that with consults and that type of thing um, and then as I see um, more um, able to get into PE and able to participate in um, PE activities. If they really need that skill intervention and instruction, that would be a student that I might pull out and work one-on-one with in a a quieter environment where they can really work on those um, skills. And then as they kind of get older and we look at rec and leisure and all of those things, again, I, I kind of look at that as that's a great opportunity for my consult to come in and provide um, information and opportunities and collaborate with our school district, our YMCA, our um, Special Olympics to have all those opportunities um, available for learners. So it really, to me, it's just a you kind of it's a flexible, fluid system that you look at the individual and you decide which way can I best get what I need to um, get done through instruction and all of that um, collaboration. And I think what Angela is saying, like if you look at the Texas manual, I mean, basically, if you're kind of that concrete person and you're going, but what are they? You know, it might look like this service delivery is going to be in gen ed. This, the next one might be gen ed with consult. The next one might be gen ed with some pull out direct. The next one might be specifically direct because they can't even right now, we're not looking at getting them into the PE setting. So it's really just direct with me. And then you might look at just consult. But what, what, so I've just pointed out here it is. And what Angela is saying is basically you got to look at every individual kid and it might be here, it might be here, it might be some. But let me preface this as well. Many, people that are not under the understanding of what we do as that instructional leader, they also feel like, and you know, have to say in some of the places that I've been, specifically they're thinking, well, APE takes the place of PE. If they get APE, they don't get PE. Well, that's not it at all. Again, we are a service 
that we're providing to help get them into physical education. So just because they get me doesn't mean that they don't get to go to PE because really in the best case scenario, we want them always going to get that 135 minutes of PE a week and so they're, they're, they're in there. But again, if I need to go in as a consult as part of that time, great. If I need to pull them out as part of that time, great. But again, there's not one magic thing that says everyone's going to get this because again, otherwise we'd be breaking the law because all of our kids are supposed to be on an individual education plan. So therefore, one of those things you as an advocate, again, needs to be able to say because, you know, many principals or administrators or superintendents or special ed directors will say, well, they don't get to go to PE. They get you. Oh, oh, wow. So great. You know, so they get 30 minutes of me, you know, a week. That's not, you know, that's not fitting into that physical education law of what our children are supposed to get. And once again, our children are to be afforded the same opportunity that every other general end peer is to be so, you know, afforded. So, again, that's kind of where those break down. If, you, if you're more concrete and need to look at it, here's consult, here's this, here's this, so on. So, so if there's other things you guys got to add, thank you very much. Yes. You guys have been doing Absolutely. a nice job. With. So, I, so my question now is I, I have two really, but with service delivery, we talk about all these, it's open-ended, right? There's all these different scenarios that it can happen, correct? Mm-hmm. And just chime in if this is true, but sometimes what I've seen in schools, sometimes they, that schools have three or four ways that they, they do it, and this is like their, the ways that they provide it. So you have either direct, you have consult, maybe um, the teacher sees them once a week or, or something like that additionally. And that's the way that the school district has set theirs up versus actually individualizing it. Is this And generally the reason why that is, and of course if you were at the legal portion of it yesterday or you've been doing it for one year or you've been doing it for 38 years, because APE is not necessarily the most respected or the most, you know, like, ooh, yeah, we really matter, because they are fitting the number of APE teachers into that school district. So generally, generally that's what you're looking at. So if you see a particular school district, it's consult across the board, it's probably because that's the way that they can manage the caseload. So inevitably the sad part about it is they're making it this way because that's what fits with what's being able to fit. That, and it's I'm, not necessarily the best. It's not. Ne- it's not even necessarily. It's not the best. Period. That, so. that, that's a really good point, Vicky. And I think that you know, in Denton, uh, we still try to follow a direct service model where we have hands on the kids. Um, compared to uh, some of our other districts, as Vicki just identified, that perhaps might be using a pure consult model uh, where they go out uh, and they've educated their general PE teachers, maybe even the special education teachers, to conduct their sessions with the kids. And so they're coming in, talking to the to the adults, asking how things are going, how you know, doing what they need to do in a consult manner, and then they go on with their day, go on to their next campus group of kids, so on and so forth. So... I would agree that I think it's misunderstood that a lot of the administrators don't understand adaptive physical education and aren't considering the spectrum. During the IEP, you should be considering the whole spectrum of where will the, how will uh, we best service the student. Um, but however, they 
are looking at how is our school doing it, how can how, funding does play a part into it, mm -hmm. unfortunately, it shouldn't, um, but that does unfortunately drive our service sometimes, and then new faculty come in and they are told this is the way it's being done. And as a new faculty member, when somebody's there for many years and you're being told this is the way it's being done, unfortunately, most people will follow suit. Mm -hmm. and, and there again, I mean, if anybody knows me a little bit, you know, I'm, I may be that lightning rod of controversy. However, you know, I'm not one who's going to necessarily not speak out. And, you know, that may get you into that, you know, realm of uncomfortable again as I say it. However, if you're going to follow that and know better that it's not necessarily the right way, then you really can't fuss about it. Now, if you fuss about it and still nothing changes with it, sometimes you're stuck, and that's okay, too. You know, then you really just try to provide the best service that you can in that situation. However, unfortunately, that is exactly what generally is probably happening. And, you know, you can be a consult and do good consult and go in there and service the kids and then there's that consult where it's like okay I'm basically gonna you know nothing's happening I'm gonna get the kid I'm gonna assess the kid three years later I'm gonna assess the kid I'm gonna write IEP goals based on what that assessment was and that may be your consult model so again it's one of those things you know the passion your drive your understanding of being that advocate for what we do is there. And again, not everyone can do that and that's okay, but you can at least attempt to educate your school district and your administrators and your diagnosticians and just, even if you just hold up your chest a little bit higher and kind of go, yeah, you know, I don't think I feel comfortable with that. And I go above, I go with that and I also try to educate my parents a lot. The more that they know, they, they often have more muscle than I do. Yeah, absolutely. I'll make one more comment about this. In the state of Texas, years ago, we used to follow a direct consult and monitor situation. And, and uh, we found out that the and if you're doing that still in this state or whether you're listening to me and you might perhaps be doing that, I would caution you very much to take a look at that and, because we had nothing tied to that student. There was not an IEP tied to it. There was, But we were going in as a good faith effort and maybe these were the kids that had just mastered their goals and that we'd reassessed and they were right there and we, we said they, they were okay and that they, we thought that we could make it into the general PE setting. They really didn't need our support or our assistance. But we're just going to monitor them and follow them anyway. So it came back. It came back to us that we, we just cannot do that. That, you know, the, if we are going to have services that we're going to oversee, that needs to be tied to a student with an IEP in place. Even our consult students have an IEP tied to them and, and in place. And that really goes back to us being a respected entity. If you don't make... The, I mean, we're not making our kids qualify. If the kids qualify, the kids qualify. That's the bottom line. And then the administrators will either figure out, okay, well, we started out with 20 and we've got one APE teacher. Well, you know, that APE teacher comes in here and kind of knows what's going on and well, why doesn't Johnny qualify and now he qualifies and now I'm up to 45. Well, you know, I'm going to provide what I can. However, when things start dropping out, that's when you get that next APE person. And that, but again, if you just do the minimum over here, you're not going to get that. But data drives everything. I, I want to, um, 
we're, we're going to have to end this soon, um, So, which I'm sad because it's such a good conversation. I have one other question that I want to open it up to anybody else, um, if you, they have any questions for the panel. Um, the, going to the kids, I, I have a, a hard time um, being a deciding factor in putting a kid in a more in a self-contained setting. You know, I, I struggle with that. How do we appropriately know if a kid should be should be in what setting? That is a decision upon the IEP team. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not where you your job is to take the data, take that data to the IEP team, and then it becomes a discussion. And the IEP team is the group that will determine. The, the way that the service will be provided and the least restricted environment. And oftentimes, I talk to uh, special educators or adapt PE teachers, and they feel like there's a lot of pressure upon that. The pressure comes off, you take the data, you bring the data, you provide your recommendation, but it becomes an IEP team decision, and a parent is part of that decision-making process. So going into a meeting and listening to what other people have to say and their input, that may change your, your decision. That may drive your decision a different way or may back up your decision. But it does become an IEP team decision. And I think that's where um, adaptive PE teachers can be very valuable in that um, when you kind of look at our specialized services in, the, in our um, at our campuses now, um, you have that student that has autism and that um, it's really hard to get out into the environment and in for rec and leisure and those types of things. You can be the advocate at the table saying this family has to have something when they age out or they graduate. They need something to do every day. What are we doing now so that they can access that environment um, when they are not with us anymore? So I think it's it's very important to be that voice at the table for um, our learners to that when they exit our programs, what have we given them to be able to do what they need to do in life? Well, I would like to just comment on something that you used the term, uh, Brad used the term recommendation. And so uh, we recently made a shift in Denton ISD on how we were writing within our FIE reports um, uh, that we were recommending services. And we used to just make a blank statement like um, adaptive physical education, one time, per, one time per week, 30 minutes, meaning a pullout one-on-one -on -one scenario and situation. So we've had, to brought, we've had to become a little more specific with that. But we've now absolutely used the term. It is our recommendation to our IEP committee that this student you know, qualifies for adapt, is eligible, qualifies for adaptive physical education for this amount of time whatever it might be, whatever you deem, and it's your, it's based upon your expertise of what your assessment drives you to identify for this student. Uh, so I just want to say that as a cautionary aspect. We're making a recommendation to the IEP committee where it's not set in stone. It's a decision to be contemplated over, discussed, talked about, and then approved by the IEP committee. Thank you. Um, close up this discussion, um, which I think we could definitely talk a little bit more about, so maybe I'll have you guys on a separate time, but uh, if anyone has some questions, um, if you want to come on up. My name is Kim Clifton. I'm a TWU alum. I just wanted to clarify for, because we have quite a few foreigners on the panel, and I'm a Texan, <laughs> so they are considered foreigners. Um, they're calling it an IEP meeting. And in Texas, we call it an art committee meeting. And um, 
So when they talk about it's an ARD meeting um, decision um, or IEP meeting decision or the IEP committee decides, they're talking about an ARD meeting for you Texans that um, may not understand um, the other people from the United States, how they talk. But that's yeah. Absolutely. My name is Rebecca. I have a question for the panel. What advice do you have for APE providers um, looking to build better relationships with the campus general education PE teachers? I, don't, I want to avoid stereotyping, but maybe individuals who value competitive over cooperative. How do you build those relationships for kids? I definitely think uh, I can remember my first year going into a, class, a PE classroom. Um, and I come from a special ed background. I, I've taught special ed um, probably a little longer than I've actually done adaptive PE. And um, I can remember walking in with, like, balls and a bag and some stuff. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to work with the kid. And then I'm kind of thinking, why do I bring all my stuff? They have a whole... Um, equipment room and so you kind of start bridging and, and doing some things and make building that relationship and when you do that you can do things like hey I saw this really cool lesson plan where instead of doing this competitive game you can do it this way and it has the cooperative piece and like all these learners can be involved hey I have it right here on PDF let's sit down and see what we can uh, adjust and modify and um, they feel like you've taken a piece of their load and what's on their plate and helping them out and it, it really becomes reciprocal. I've been on field trips um, to the bowling alley. I've done um, we have um, at Tayford, um, one of our general PE teachers did um, a session on the drum fit and all of that and we had a learner that had some needs and so I went on that. Was it difficult? Yeah, I have like 20 other kids I probably need to get out and see but it built that relationship so that when I have the conversation that little Johnny needs to be more included and we need to have more opportunities where they are successful um, it's an easier conversation and you get a lot more out of it so I just my best advice is to to think of things that you can do um, to build that relationship that's really what what gets you down the line and I like that idea of building the relationships what I keep in mind I, I focus on that that is their setting and I am coming into their setting if I come in if, if somebody was to come to my home and start dictating some things to me I may not be as open to listen to them however if somebody comes in and uh, starts praising me a little bit or starts asking questions so I may ask questions had that lesson go seemed like some kids were having some fun so there's the praise how did the lesson go? What do you think? Did you, and then go to, did you find anything frustrating? So I'm asking questions. And I feel like I'm opening the door when I'm asking questions versus uh, dictating anything in, at first. And I think probably one of the things that I've learned over the years is, although I might provide some direct serve, um, then I'm kind of also doing that consulting with the PE teacher. But if I've got my student with Downs or I've got my student with autism or I've got my brittle bone gen ed kid or, you know, my MD kid, if I physically go into the classroom and I'm, I generally just say to them, hey, I'm here for so-and-so, however, you know, let me be part of what you're doing. So it's kind of like, oh, 
now I've got an extra body over here. And so when they're doing this game, okay, well, give me 10 of those kids. I've got my kiddo, but now I've got those 10. Then they're like going, oh, she's not that outsider. She's not here to judge what I'm doing. She's here to help me. And I'm just like, can I go get the balls? Can I get this? And I take my kiddo, hey, let's, you know, let's get this together and so on. So I think that's really kind of that respect thing. And again, you know, you've got those that have been there forever. You've got those that are new. The new ones are kind of like, they don't really know any different. So they welcome it. But those that have been there for a long time, even though I'm probably as old as they are old, they don't necessarily like you in their territory. But when you come in and you help them, then it's like, cool, I got somebody. And, they, and then they are like, they welcome you in. Oh, now you want to use some equipment? Yeah, great. Go over there. Uh, however, then the next time, because when I come to pull my kid out, I can just go and I don't have to carry my bag of tricks. And then they're, sure, here's the key. Go get it. I, I would add just a little bit more uh suggestions that might be helpful uh, at the beginning of every school year if you can reach out and send an email and say hey I would like to continue to I mean if you've worked with them build on what we've done in the in the past looking forward to this year I, I'll come by and visit you I, I don't know about all of you but we come in about a week uh, to 10 days in advance of the school year starting so you can do a lot of nice touching base by email, which is very easy, user-friendly, it's not threatening, you're not up in their face, you know, the new school year is going to start, let's talk about our plans for this year, what can I do to help you, do you need equipment, what are you going to start off with, do you want me to come in to assist, you know, and then at the end of the school year, you find a way to then also communicate some type of collective, collaborative closure as well, and so, you know, we do those types of things uh, as much as we can. It's not to say that we still don't have our situations where it's bang head here, <laughs> you know, where you're going back and forth all the time and you have a person who perhaps might be resistant to what you want to do. But I agree with what all my other colleagues have said. I think if you can establish that collaborative effort of, of working together to help, I think it'll serve you for a long time. May, may I add one more thing? Yes. You know, the other thing, too, and... and uh, at times, I think we forget about this as adapted PE specialists. We really should be, every one of our general PE teachers should have a copy of every kid on our caseload, their goals. They should, you, they are part of that educational need to know team that you have. And so, uh, if, you know, we're, in our, we're looking at our fifth week. Uh, we talked about in our meetings in Denton, have we gotten our copies of our IEP goals out to those general PE teachers? Um, you know, there's... Whenever you bring a child into service, are you sharing those goals with them? Are you having a conversation, sitting down? Because it is a collective effort. So, and I just wanted to um, point out Rebecca real quick. Uh, I had a conversation with Rebecca yesterday, and she's a diagnostician who is um, trying to be proactive and uh, create a strong APE program, which may not right now be at her school, which I think is uh, really commendable. So, yeah. We need we, we need people like you. Yeah. All right, so thank you, panel, for my service delivery people. So let's give them a round of applause. All right. Good job. All right.